Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, which I purchased because I love a determiner. FamilyPetAncestry.com, because I think it's funny. Uh, they all go to uh, either DorkForest.com or JackieCation.com. The credits, let's do them. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the intro song, sang it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. He will sing the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program again with lyrics that he made up. That's right. Patrick Brady, go to fix this audio, thank God. And uh, Vilmos fixes my website. So if you ever need a website design, talk to Vilmos. His link is in the notes. Merchandise. If you were to want stuff, you'd go to JackieCation.com. You'd go to the store. You could get CDs. I have three CDs, all, well, two of them critically acclaimed. The first one, just okay, just okay. But if you're a completist, you can get all three for a deal. And there's domestic prices and international prices. My last CD, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, also available as my first ever DVD. It is only available as a DVD right now because I'm in the process of trying to sell it to somebody, uh, to have it streamed somewhere for free. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to sell it on some website, and then you will know about it. Both This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux and It's Never Going to Be Bread, my last two albums, top ten comedy albums of the year. Bread was top 10 on Amazon for the year it came out, which was 2010. And Horcrux, top five on Vulture.com last year. There's also t-shirts. You can get Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt. You can get a, the regular The Dork Forest t-shirts. And you can get the new Spooky Reading Girl t-shirt, which is a reference to one of my newer jokes on the newest album. So they're all union-made here in the United States of America, so they run big. Take that into account. Shipping is included. And I can ship them domestically or internationally as well. On JackieCation.com and TheDorkForce.com, there's a donation button. If you enjoy the program, I would love you to donate. You can give me $10 a month for 10 months. Uh, or you can give me $100 a year all at once. Or you can give me whatever you'd like because it's a donation button. But uh, I would appreciate that if you have it. It would be great. It is used only for good. If you don't have any money, that's fine. You've done what you can. The uh, There's an Amazon banner on JackieCation.com on the right-hand side above a video of me doing stand-up comedy, I believe. And you click on that banner. You go to Amazon. You order like normal. And Amazon sends me some money for what you order. It doesn't cost you extra. I just get a little kickback, so I appreciate that. On JackieCation.com, there's also a tour, tour page, lots of different places to watch me do stand-up comedy. There's a new thing going on besides Spooky Reading Girl t-shirt, which is a new t-shirt that you can buy. I am going to do the live episodes as premium episodes, so they will cost on Bandcamp, the dorkforest.bandcamp.com. And they'll be two bucks. And that's just to defray the cost of the live ones. There's only going to be a handful a year. And it's two bucks. You, you got two bucks. You're good. And always know in your heart that there will be at least 52 episodes of free ones every year on iTunes and all that stuff. If there's a problem, if you have any issues or anything ever with the show, or if you just want to say hi, my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. Enough of this. Let's get into the show. It's a good one. 
Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm in my living room with one Jason Klom. Welcome to the program. Thank you. <laughs> you I'm are sorry. welcome. I'm, you are late because somebody rear-ended you on the somebody highways and byways did. of this great land. Yeah, but they got rear-ended, so I'm not going to blame them. And I, I oh, right. literally was swearing up a storm, but not at them, just more like, but I couldn't say, I have a podcast to get to. So it's just <laughs> like, I had to make it sound like I had a doctor's appointment or something. Because then you'd have to explain what a podcast That's was. also part of it. Granted, we are in Los Angeles. It, sure. They might have gotten it. Maybe. And maybe. then they would have said, welcome to Night Vale. And I'm like, no, there's other, there's other pods out Cereal? there. Cereal? Is it, is it some? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but Jason Klam, it's K-L-A-M-M, Clam. Is how I would have That's phonetically spent it, it is, but yeah. you're, it's Klom. Mm-hmm. Jason Klom, and it's at J Klom, K-L-A-M-M on Twitter, mm-hmm. and your podcast, Comedy on Vinyl, mm-hmm. I, uh, we, I was just on that, talking about Lenny Bruce. That was an awesome episode. You were kind enough to do that, and I appreciate it. And I was fascinated to speak to something that I know so little of, but it is a vinyl <laughs> album that I did indeed own, uh, regarding stand-up comedy. Yeah, it was fun to talk about. I mean, that happens all the time, is that people like, I don't have anything to talk about necessarily. Actually, you want I'm doing now is yeah. I'm shoving an album down their throat. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just like, oh, I don't know what to talk about. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, what about this one? Yeah. And here are the MP3s. I've got like a small, compared to most people I know, collection of like 250 comedy albums. That and seems plenty. It does, right? And that's why I don't buy them anymore. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm cut off until I make money somehow podcasting. Right. Not happening. Not happening at this um, time. But yeah. one day we'll right. all be th- swimming in <laughs> podcast money. Oh, yeah. That'll uh, happen. Right? That'll <laughs> it happen. could. Sure. It doesn't matter. Doesn't we'll really. keep doing them anyway. Exactly right. No, that's 100% true. <laughs> I started recently charging for the premium episodes for the ones really? that are live. Uh-huh. Oh, that's uh, smart. Yeah, just because they cost me to go there. Oh, of course, yeah. And then I have to pay that other audio guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, to, people are paying to get in, right? So And people are paying to get in, which I have yet to see any of that money. <laughs> the, mm. But I which is why I try to make it like 5 or 10 bucks, you know? Yeah. And I try to make if I do it myself, then I get the money. Sure. Uh, that makes and sense. Then, yeah, and then I try to make it like five or five or ten bucks at the most because mm-hmm. it's only going to be an hour. Right. And then and then I try to do a stand up show after that. Oh, okay. And then charge fifteen for the whole night. That's and awesome. that seems as much as a fancy movie. Yeah. Seems, but it's live. I'm right here in front of you. No, exactly right. You can it's totally way talk more to me. Fun. Way more fun. Mm-hmm. I am an attainable goal as far as poking, <laughs> not uh, sexually, just in a right. sort of a, naturally. and not even in your a Facebook nose. naturally. Mm-hmm. Yes, in a in a nose like way. Jason Klom, I said to you, what are your dorkdoms? Yeah. And you said words I love to hear. Mm-hmm. Something nobody's ever said to me before, mm-hmm. which is the vice presidency. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one, and it has been since uh, oh god. 2006, I guess, maybe? 2006! So for the last nine years, Uh you have been interested in the vice presidency. But I haven't done... But you are not a... You were not a child in 2006. No, I was not. I was 26. You were 26? So only for the last nine years. Yeah. But you... The thing is... The fun part is within the first five years of being obsessed with it, I, along with my buddy Matt Sachs in Minneapolis, uh, who's like, we became co-obsessed with it because we were writing a documentary and still are. Okay. Uh, we became obsessed with it to the point where we sort of realized we are two of the foremost vice presidential experts in the country because nobody else does it. Because nobody else cares. Nobody else cares. We email, we what would email happened? like historians and, and this and that. And they're like, that's not really my field. That's not my thing. That's not what historians do. That's not what political scientists do. Nobody, there's no field that really covers this particular office as a thing. Right. Why not? 
Because nobody cares, and nobody. Why we, do you care? Because what brought you guys into I'll, it? I'll tell you this: we were going to do the short short film, like a short film series, a web series, okay. back when that was still going to be a thing. When that was a YouTube. thing, people did it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I hate. Can I tell you real quick? Webisode shouldn't have be struck. Oh, you know what? My I buddy, hate that jo- word. yeah, my buddy Joe Wilson hates that word. Okay. But people also now hating the word podcast. Well, they can because of the tell iPod. That. It's a. Uh, it, I don't it was have named, an iPod though. So right, right. I have an iPod Touch back in the from the early two thousands, mm-hmm. and the fact that it still works is a is a treat. That's impressive. <laughs> yes, but so yeah, webisode is. I think it's out of favor. Yeah, but I th- and I think podcast will one day because so, somebody said I don't have a podcast, I have a radio show, and I was like, does it play on the radio? And they're like, it will. <laughs> okay, and well, that's where we let it. That's right. where I. That's where I stopped talking. Dreams to are okay. I, I guess, <laughs> but it dream. does, and it doesn't matter. No, call it whatever you want. Yeah, it's a it's a digital file that people get to listen mm-hmm. to out of their ear holes. And we were making this before YouTube, and we were. It was an informational thing, and we decided we settled on one episode of this is going to be about the vice presidency. Okay. So my buddy does a little research. He's like, here's some interesting characters. Here's an interesting book, and eventually it became to we realized we weren't going to do the web series anymore. And we decided it needed to be its own documentary because... Of one book. Well, of the vice presidency in general. No, what book? Oh, of what book? What book? book? What book was the book that both of you read, clearly? You need to read it. It is called Bland Ambition. Bland? Bland Ambition by (laughs) Stephen Talley. How do you spell Talley? T-A-L-L-Y. He's a wonderful man. He interviewed for the movie back when it was not in HD, and we'll probably interview again when we shoot it in HD. Right, right. Super nice guy. He is, and this, what would you guess he might do for a living if he's a professor? And he talked to us about the vice presidency on camera. Poli-sci professor? I think it's agriculture related. He's in the ag school. Mm -hmm. University of Minnesota? He's a Purdue. He's in Purdue, but he does something related to agriculture. So this is a side thing for him, but it's one of the things he's best known for. And has published a book called Bland Ambition. Ambition yeah. And the two of yous, you and your buddy Max, mm-hmm. read it. Matt. Matt. So, sorry, yeah, so no, no. What is Matt's last name? Sachs, which is why you thought his name was Max. That's it. Matt Sachs. Matt? S-A-X? S-A-X-E. S-A-X-E? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. He's All a right. nice gentleman. Like a Saxon. Exactly right. Well done. <laughs> now, uh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Already, I'm fascinated. Mm-hmm. What is Bland Ambition about? Bland Ambition is, uh, it picks out probably the more humus, humorous stories about all the vice presidents, which means anybody who became president, too. Our documentary is going to be about guys who never became president. Okay. But uh, he, anytime they were <laughs> in the vice president, wonders, exactly man. right. This was more interesting. You should call it One Hit Wonders. Yeah, you may should. use that if you want. I would, except or, we've or been sticking with this it. title for so long right. that it's now, I bought the website and everything. What am I going to oh. do, Jackie? Yeah, you can't th- no, then can't. do One Hit Wonder, which probably is already owned probably by someone else. Taken. Um, M- will you tell us what the name of oh, that website vice, is? Uh, vicepresidents.com. The full title is Vice Presidents being number two in the White House. It is the stupidest, <laughs> childish title. Precedent. Uh-huh. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a little highbrow and a lot of lowbrow by saying number two. That's what we do. That's what you like to do. Mm-hmm. You like to mix it up, make mm-hmm. it funny. And that's what Bland Ambition was because he did humorous tales yes. of... Of various vice presidents. And it's all his original research, and that's the one thing I would say that we have different is because we're trying to make a movie is like all we had to pull from was his book and the three or four other books that have actually chronicled the whole vice presidency. And when were these uh, – now, when he wrote his book here in the 21st century? Uh, or? In the 90s. He wrote it in the 90s. Yeah, middle eight. So, so the other, let's say, three books, <laughs> when were they written? Uh, let's see. One – was I, I want to say seventies or eighties, written by a now retired senator whose name I cannot remember. No worries. And he wrote it more as an official duty type and, of thing. Oh, what was it called? Any idea? 
No. Nope. There I you can't. go. There's That's fine. One called Mad Men and Geniuses, uh, <laughs> written by. Oh my God! I can Google. Barsman it. is his last name. Okay. Also, great book. Okay. Um, and then there are a couple others. I can't again. I can't remember because it's you know the facts are what the, and the, the funny facts are the ones that stick out. The funny know. facts. Mm-hmm. What? Where? Where in life? <laughs> I mean, I know that Jerry Ford, uh-huh. great athlete, yeah. turns out tripped one time mm-hmm. and for the rest of his life was known as the vice president who tripped. Exactly right. Uh, yeah. Or the president who tripped. Sure. What? Uh, what? What other fun? Give me one. <laughs> All right. Hook me up. Okay. Uh, there is a, uh, a gentleman. Let me, one second, real quick here. Here we go. So I, I wrote down because I, I knew I'd be nervous my three favorite or most interesting VPs. Uh, there's one <laughs> named John Breckenridge. John okay. Breckenridge was a VP. Again, the, I'm so obsessed with the VPs, I often forget who they were, who they were under. Oh, okay. Uh, so I know most of them, but Breckenridge for some reason is escaping me. Either way, he was from Kentucky. Okay. Kentucky, not a Confederate state. He joined the Confederacy anyway. Okay. After he was vice president for the actual United States. Uh, Wait, so he was vice president before the Civil War. Before the Civil War, and then after the, and then during the Civil War, he, he joins up with decides the to be a, a, a Confederate because mm-hmm. he's from Kentucky, border state. Yeah, border. That'll yeah, happen. So it, That'll course. happen. But he was technically a traitor, and he became. But weren't wasn't everyone tra- technically a traitor, and then he, it, everyone was acquitted or yeah, but it, because or, he was coming from a, a a Union state and doing that, I think it was a little harsher, and it was and he was vice president, yeah, maybe because maybe because he was, was formerly vice too, president, yeah, maybe but, too much pub, <laughs> yeah, you're right. But when he came back, he ended up being a senator anyway, I think, and he was fine and dandy. But in between that. He ran away thinking they were going to hang him, which maybe they were going to. And when he ran away with his group of soldiers, and this is documented, uh, he they dressed up like pirates. They jacked a boat, and then their boat got taken over by real pirates. Whoa. <laughs> they ended up in Cuba, uh, again, celebrated, and then he was overseas for several years. But the, the fact that they got taken over by real pirates is one of the funnier. That is one of the funnier ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they dressed like pirates. They got themselves yep. some, some parrots mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, and I some think cutlasses. So. They must have. And uh, <laughs> so what they did, their unions, let's go Confederate, we're talking 1865. Yep. They're, <laughs> they're, they're skinny. They're mm-hmm. in shreds. Sure. They're, they've lost. <laughs> yep. Things are troubled. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to be hanged. Yep. So he was a colonel or in charge. He of- was, I believe, the secretary of war. He was very high ranking. Oh, so he the, didn't have, so he did not have a, 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 he, he had a squad that was assigned to protect him, probably. And that's probably who it was. He didn't, yeah. he wasn't like Jeb Stewart or something with mm-hmm. his own troops. Right, no, no, he no. He had a bunch of dudes who were like, well, you're the Secretary of War, we're supposed to protect you. Uh-huh. And, uh, and how many guys were in his unit? That do I don't think? know. That's a very good question. Right. I don't know all the details right. about that. I should. Because I, I picture him and mm-hmm. like nine guys. Yeah, me too. Kind of like And that. they take over a boat, mm-hmm. and then they sail off into the, into the sunset to be taken over in, mm-hmm. in that area. A lot of pirates. Yeah. Things are happening. Oh, yeah. And then they get captured by pirates, mm-hmm. and they are matey, are, are made to walk the plank. And how did they get out of that? I don't know. The well, they just dropped them off? Uh, they, they eventually got, I think they got away because, uh, or not got away, but they got dropped off in Cuba because they were probably of no... um the more you no, know, you no guys. No consequence. We want to exactly know more right. about John Breckenridge. We do. Go to your, go need, to your local library, you guys. It's a, well, and good luck. But try and find. <laughs> this is the problem. Is is like I know 
if you ask Matt, if you had Matt here, Matt is an encyclopedia. Okay. I'm the comedy writer of the group, so he right. tells me the facts, I absorb what I think are the funniest facts, and I turn it into <laughs> comedy. So every once right, in a while there are details missing. You right. Know? Fair enough. He's got he's got access he looks to like minutia. Matthew Perry. Does that count? He looks a he lot looks like, like Matthew Perry. He looks this a guy. lot like Matthew Perry. Breckenridge looks a lot like Matthew Perry. Well, that's hilarious. It's amazing. All right. There's a comparison online that somebody drew, which I'm like, I'm shocked that anybody knew who Breckenridge was, but it was, although that's the other thing too, is like a lot of VPs are like hometown heroes in the places they're from because sure. every hometown needs somebody. You got to have somebody. Yep. South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the guy who invented, uh, putting plastic wrap on top of dry cleaning. That's all we got. Is yeah. It, that is not a, a toy, thing? by the way. That's that is a, not a toy. It is not a toy. No. That is, cause that will kill your, kill your baby. <laughs> but what you, cause he was the one who said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to mm-hmm. keep all the chemicals inside uh, your clothing and uh-huh. we're going to hang that. Uh, that's what I was told as a child. Granted, grain of salt. Heard it from Elliot Cation, mm-hmm. my father. So <laughs> all stories, uh, from, that stem from that source need mm-hmm. to be double checked. <laughs> okay. So yes. next up, who's your second guy? All right. The second one would be, William Rufus Devane King. Duvane mm-hmm, King. Mm-hmm. Rufus Duvane King. William Rufus Devane King, yep. What do you know about him? He was our 13th VP, um, and he was under Pierce. Okay. Uh, I Franklin only know that. Pierce. Franklin Pierce, that's correct. But, uh, well, no, that's a, that's a cheap joke. Um, he was very much, uh, believed to have been the lover of Buchanan, who was, Supposedly our only gay president, uh, the only oh. more, more obviously gay president. And actually we, he's the one we did shoot like a thing for the, the documentary to get it pitched, you know, like mm-hmm. a sizzle reel, whatever. Oh, right. And the way we did that is we decided, well, what's the one thing an idiot would concentrate on if they were going to make this? So <laughs> it would be that he was gay. There's plenty of real information about him, which we yeah. put into it. But the whole thing is if you're not paying attention, you just think it's a big gay joke and you think we're idiots. Right. And, and you're like, but thank God mm-hmm. someone's still making that gay joke. Yeah, right. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. And so we wanted to do that. Like, that's one of the things that that we did with it is just, you know, yeah, yeah. make fun of it. Well, so well, he's so William Rufus Duvane mm-hmm. King. Mm hmm. Was vice president under Franklin Pierce. Yep. My Latin teacher in high school, uh-huh. also named Miss Pierce. Mm-hmm. Her great grandfather changed the spelling of his name because he hated Franklin Pierce. Interesting. Yeah. I don't even know what Franklin Pierce's politics were. I don't offhand. either, to be honest. So I don't, don't and neither even, did King. Neither did King because King was a bit of an idiot. Uh, no, most VPs were chosen and maybe not at random, but he was a uh, VP for maybe a month and none of that on American soil. Why is that? What happened? Uh, he was recovering from TB in, uh, trying to recover from TB in Cuba. Again, Try, Cuba. Again, Cuba. Trying to dry up in Cuba. And, uh, uh, he was sworn in in Cuba. The only vice president ever sworn in off the U.S. Wow. Shore, shores. Yeah. And shipped back. And he lives about a week before he croaks when he gets Well, he dies. <laughs> so he's, he was VP for about a week on American soil. If only he had, his president had been Harrison. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Harrison could have died, mm-hmm. and then the VP would have died, and then all of a sudden, finally, that gig that everybody's <laughs> irritated about, Secretary of State, mm-hmm. finally, finally. would have happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's the... Isn't that the order? I, I forget. Uh, speaker, I think, is next. Oh, speaker of the House? Maybe. Okay. I could be wrong. Yeah, because I, uh, I think Alexander... Uh, Hag jumped the, mm-hmm. he jumped the, uh, the oh, line. Yes. yes, he did. And, uh, mm-hmm. with, with Reagan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so William Rufus Duvane King, second favorite. Uh-huh. Who else you got? Uh, uh, Charles Curtis. Charles Curtis was VP under, uh, Hoover. Uh, okay. and, uh, because of that, obviously, you know, kind of a damned, um, you know, they're, they're a damned administration. But he was also, 
an a-hole, just a royal a-hole. Um, he, he basically sicked the Marines on, um, a bunch of, uh, military men who were striking to get their pensions. Okay. They were oh, on the so White he House was the one lawn. who called it. Yep, he sicked the Marines on them. Uh, they ended up settling. I remember the problem, that though. Yeah. No, no, I remember, there was a giant riot. Uh-huh. It was yeah, all the was veterans huge. from World War One, mm-hmm. and they were they didn't get their pensions, they didn't get their mm-hmm. back pay, they didn't get any of that. Yep. And it wasn't Hoover; it was Charles Curtis. It was technically Charles Curtis who called. The, he's the one who who ordered that that happen. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> there, he's also fascinating because he's probably the origin of like the glad handing politician. Like that whole stereotype is kind of from him because he's super charming. Or? Super charming and. Probably a genius because he's from Kansas, uh, which is kind of where some of my family's from. Which is another reason why I was fascinated <laughs> with it originally. But which and most geniuses are from Kansas, of course. If I you think, think about it, knows yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but he he had his whole constituency, which you have to imagine, even in the the tens and twenties, uh, was you know, in the thousands. He had everybody's name memorized, and he knew something about each of them. That was no exaggeration. He would meet somebody and meet him so again five years later. So he just had a, a really later. good uh, – one of those yeah. great politician memories. Exactly right. Yeah. And that's why people loved him. That's why they voted him up and up and up and up. That – and he also liked to run on the fact that he was one-eighth uh, Native American, which was never proven. He lived on a on a uh, he lived on a, a reservation for a while, but there's no proof that he's necessarily one-eighth Native American. But he liked to consider himself a person of color, even though if you saw him, no. What did he look like? Super white, big, bushy mustache. Like, big you know, he could have been an eighth. I don't know, but like. Right, we all could be an eighth. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, where's, where's that show? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, <laughs> find out who's sleeping with who a hundred years ago. And, exactly. uh, so on, in, in the book Bland Ambition. Mm-hmm. These are the three guys that I concentrated on. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there are more recent ones like Dan Quayle, who is, who was, I think, the last one he covered and, of course, ripped him a, a new one because he, he's from Indiana, this guy, and also, you know, don't and, So Tally's from Indiana? Mm-hmm. And so is Dan Quayle. <laughs> yep. And so he ripped him a new one there. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, everybody had. He's an easy target, but I mean, he, it was about the right time. I think, I think, I don't know if that's why, but I have to assume that Dan Quayle's existing had some reason for that book coming out. You okay. Know? Because he was like, how did, who are these people? Mm-hmm. And how does it, how does, how do we? Exactly right. How do I expose these Maroons? Mm-hmm. And, uh, did he have any, did he have any vice presidents he liked at all? Were there any great heroes in the book? There are some. I don't know if he picked any, but like, I know that personally, again, when I've talked with, with, with my buddy Matt, like, we are kind of in agreement that, um, well, there's Henry Wallace. Henry Wallace was under FDR. Fascinating okay. guy. Uh, but he was a big socialist, borderline actual communist, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't necessarily get along with FDR, and he also, he invented new, like, strains of corn and stuff, like, but an interesting guy, and he was just trying to feed the poor, and he le- legitimately wanted to do that, and that's why he was awkward and uninteresting. And then accidentally created Monsanto. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, sure. probably, yeah, that's the kind of thing he was doing, but just, like, on yeah. a low level. No, I heard about him the third mm-hmm. time he ran, the third time, I think I got that from the FDR documentary. Oh, yeah. The Ken Burns thing. Mm-hmm. Is that when he, when he ran for office the third time, mm-hmm. he got, he got Truman mm-hmm. because that Wallace was, was an embarrassment. Yeah. And, and FDR couldn't get rid of Eleanor, who was <laughs> clearly a socialist, <laughs> uh, because they were married. It was slightly, yeah. And, uh, so, but that, See, that's interesting. So that seems like a good guy. Yeah. Uh, does Matt have any other favorite vice <laughs> presidents? Well, he, well, there's a there's one other VP who right now whose name is is just out of my brain, but which is too bad because he was legitimately probably the greatest greatest man to be a VP. There's no such thing as a good VP. 
because uh, they have one they have one constitutionally uh, derived duty, and that is to break ties in the Senate. That is it. Right. If you look, that is all they are required to do. Them backing up the president is obviously written into it, but that is not a duty that is in, in case of. That's insurance. Their one duty is to break ties. Right, but then they also have to travel around and represent. They but can. It's, it's they not didn't by used law. to. They didn't used to do any of that. Though. Okay. Mondale is, you know, we've got an interesting history with Mondale too, but Mondale is the reason that that the vice presidency switched around, and that's really yes, because he was an intelligent guy. He still is an intelligent guy, open-minded, like big on civil rights, and uh, he was given the opportunity to actually do something. You know, okay. You know, and he changed the office around because he had act like the specifics. You know, you can't do any pol- you can't issue policies. You can't do anything like that. Right. So it's really hard to point to a specific thing. But most people who know anything about him agree that you know he actually did something with the office, which is which is interesting because he was like the fortieth mm-hmm. pre- uh, vice president. Yeah. I mean, so the previous thirty nine guys mm-hmm. did what? They just kind of sat on their thumbs and, like, and, and waited to break ties? Yeah. Some of them did stuff. I mean, they, they, it would happen every once in a while, but most of them were at the end of their careers. Okay. They had already done all their good shit. Right, and they didn't know if they this was this was the next step to possibly becoming president. Mm-hmm. So then, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the hardest part is that they would just sit around. Uh, John Nance Garner, uh, who was uh, one of uh, one of uh, Roosevelt's other VPs, uh, once said, uh, "The vice presidency is not worth a warm bucket of piss," and that is about the right attitude that they all they all had that attitude up until up until Mondale. Yeah, and uh, and he, of course, vice president to Carter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, do I have that correct? Have yes, I, you do. Yes, you I, do. And in think, my poli sci degree, which was, by the way, not domestic, my poli sci degree. <laughs> really? Very sad. Yeah. Here's a list of, uh, of presidents and vice presidents. Yeah. I'm going to go into the kitchen and look mm-hmm. at my baked chicken for a second. All right. Uh, and then you find your favorite, uh, the vice president you sure, like. Sure, I can do that. I can do that. Sorry, I, I wasn't prepared that we were actually going to talk about this the whole time. I'm sorry. No, no, it just happened, but I thought. No, it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Johnson didn't have one. Um, <laughs> Johnson never had a vice president. Right. I think I want to say Henry Wilson is the, is the one that. It's either Henry Wilson. Why didn't Johnson William. have a vice president? Because Lincoln was assassinated, and I don't think they cared to bump anybody up to VP. They could have. If he died, obviously they could have just bumped up the speaker or whatever the rule was at the time. But <clears throat> yeah, sometimes it's just left open. I, uh, what is the what is the figure? How many years? Twenty. I think when we did the math, it was twenty some years worth of empty office throughout the history of the vice presidency. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, here and there. Uh, yeah. So there were times when some of them just had no VP for part of their term. Right. Oh, that's right. Teddy Roosevelt didn't have one for a while either because uh, McKinley was shot. It was. Right. It's just assassinations got in the way. Yeah, assassinations yeah. will get in the way, but then they have mm-hmm. to appoint somebody, right? Sure. Or, or with, somebody, yeah. with with Nixon, it was mm-hmm. Agnew, um, mm-hmm. and then who was who was uh, Ford's vice president appointed? Mm-hmm. Um, but it had been Rockefeller, hadn't it? Rockefeller was yeah, and Rockefeller is actually one of the guys who who changed the office just because he had nothing better to do. He's an example of exactly that. Like he uh, he paid to have a new VP sale, seal commissioned, so okay. he had that designed. <laughs> He's the reason that they're in the location, the lavish location they're in now. Oh, they have a different mm-hmm. office. Yeah, what, what originally they, they were previously? just in just 
just a house, probably a nice mansion, but now they're in the Naval Observatory, which is big and huge and pretty. And, and, and has a, and has like a big office in there and stuff? I have to assume so. I want to go. I really want to go. Yeah, you want to, you, we got to do some tours, mm-hmm. some VP touring. I'll be there in a few months. I'll, maybe I'll do it. That'd sure. Is it, did you find the, the VP you like? Uh, yeah, it was Henry Wilson. Henry Wilson, um, the reason he's fascinating, uh, again, and I, I don't know everything about his life, but he's fascinating sure. enough because he started out essentially as an indentured servant. Again, he's a white guy, so it, it, it becomes a little less impressive when you know that there were actual people being enslaved at the time. But he was an indentured servant. Because who was servant. he? Who was he vice president to? Uh, good question. But you just saw his name. It? It's so a- sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Um, let's see. Wilson, where the hell is he? Jeez. So sorry. There we go. Ulysses S. Grant. So, so he was the vice president of Ulysses S. Grant. Mm-hmm. And what was his what was his deal? Uh, well, he started out as an indentured servant working in a shoe factory. Okay, and, and this is in. But there, when when Grant was president, mm-hmm. there were no slaves. I mean, there there was still right. I mean, when he was not, president, but when not he, technically. Sure, when this guy was a child, though. I mean, oh when right, he, when he, he was an indentured service during slave days. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, like I said, a little less impressive because he's a white guy. It's not the same. It's not slavery, but it's close. Very close. And he worked his way up. So fascinating. Oh, of course. And he worked his way up to, um, being, uh, you know, owning a shoe factory and like being a real, a magnate, a shoe magnate. Is that a thing? Can you be a shoe magnate? That is a shoe magnate. And I think that there was a book. Was it, was, was, I wonder if that book was written about him. The Horatio Alger? Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's it's not, it's not dissimilar, but he's also an abolitionist and he became a very, uh, a strong, a strong voice Advocate. for abolition, yeah. Yeah. I too am an abolitionist. That's uh, good. I'm so yeah. glad to hear it. It's I've been thinking about studying out every Facebook post with I'm an abolitionist. <laughs> so you may want to not follow this Facebook page uh, post if you if you are not an abolitionist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. And just move forward from that. Sure. So his name was Wilson and Henry he, Wilson. Okay. So now, I could talk to you for an entire couple hours about Aaron Burr, which I guess is the other one that is the most fascinating because he's so divisive with people. Yeah. If he was it, Thomas Jefferson's vice president. Yes, indeed. From 1801 to 1805. That's exactly right. Uh, that, that's the thing I enough, actually could have told you. <laughs> saxophonist George Clinton uh, was uh, was the vice president for his second term, uh-huh. 1805-1809. <laughs> weird, weird coincidence. <laughs> so Aaron Burr, I actually read that Gore Vidal book. Oh, okay. And his book is... Called Burr. T- called Burr. Takes some liberties because that's what Gore Vidal did. Well, that's um, what Gore Vidal does. Yeah. He has an opinion, it turns out. But I will say this. Gore Vidal did call us better interviewers than Ken Burns, so I will take that shit to my grave. So. Oh, he called you better interviewers yes. than Ken Burns? Yeah, he said he did Because you got to meet Gore Vidal. Mm-hmm. Well, we that's neat. We interviewed him for a couple hours at his place. That's incredible. Yeah. We got to hear him do his Truman Capote impression, which is fantastic. <laughs> we don't have that on camera, though. We do not have that, and I regret well, that. Well, you're going to have to redo it in HD. Yeah, that's exactly right. Even it's, though um, we're going to have to, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have to CG create him now. Right, because didn't he die? He died a couple, like a couple okay. years ago. Okay, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't been following. Didn't affect my life so much yeah, no, when Gorbachev right. all died. But yeah, and I don't mean, think it was a career cut tragically short. No, uh, no, I think he had some time. He was 80s? 
he might have been close to 90. Yeah. So and he was kind of ill when we Still sad. Him. Still oh, sad for his friends and sure. family. Absolutely. But uh, from this distance, I'm okay. Yeah. It turns out I was, I, I lived through it. But I did read Burr, and mm-hmm. I did, I completely believed him. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I read Lincoln, mm-hmm. and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> so, uh, but Burr, what do you, you, you love Burr? I love his story. To say he was a dick. I mean, that's the, I'm sorry, I'm swearing. No, no, you fuck. Uh, okay, swear it fuck, up. Fucking, okay, great. Okay, so, yeah. uh, he, he sounded was, like a button pusher and a piece of work, but not as bad as Hamilton. Ah, uh, here's, yeah, that's, there, there's a few things like, if if we're going to talk about the duel, which is like the big thing he's known for, I'm on Burr's side. And that's for a number of reasons. But number one is that uh, the, the guns were chosen by Hamilton. The guns were owned by Hamilton. They killed his son the year before, so he knew full well both guns had a hair trigger and Burr didn't know that. So Hamilton had an advantage. So he got shot because Burr was a good shot. That's just it. So he was he was just as much of a scam and gore vidal mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. uh speculated mm-hmm. whether or not it was true that uh, hamilton had made uh the reason they had the duel mm-hmm. was because he accused uh, aaron burr of having sex with his own with daughter with his own daughter which Hey, don't get me wrong. They had a creepy relationship, big time. Like, oh yeah, it was creepy. But in you that- know what? Still, at the moment, <laughs> duel worthy. I mean, sure. that was that was one mm-hmm. of the, that was one of your uh, your go tos for dueling. That's what you did. Uh, was when someone in- insulted. Uh, yeah. I don't know one of the ladies in your life, mm-hmm. and especially your daughter. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Well, and the, the other thing too is like uh, you could put a lot of puzzle pieces together to dispute that a lot. I mean, again, that was him. Just projecting what he thought. Yeah, this might be. In, this might have been a rumor that he threw out. Cause he he said plenty of shit about him in the papers. Enough for anybody at the time to call somebody out on a duel. But okay, uh, the thing about Aaron Burr is that he married an intelligent woman who was she was upper class. So great, she got educated. But he wanted an intelligent woman. They raised an intelligent daughter. He was. Now how a, do you know that? How do I know which? That um that he purposefully raised. Uh, Married an intelligent woman. And what the fuck does that mean? He was, he, well, that's just, <laughs> when I say intelligent, I, I should have said educated. Okay. That was just not a thing. What was her education? I don't know, but I know that she she's just well known as a very, she was high class. So she was educated. Okay. And so they educated her daughter, their daughter, quote unquote, like a man would have been. Okay. So they gave her college education. Okay. And so he was a feminist. Okay. He wanted to raise his daughter so that she could function as a human. Right. And, uh, that was a, that was a big thing. And yeah. so the idea that he would somehow then go sleep with his daughter seems really, really, like he was effed up. Don't yeah. Get me wrong. He slept, I don't know that he slept around on his wife, but I mean, he was, uh, he would sleep with whores. He paraded whores across the, the, the Princeton campus, supposedly. Right. Okay. Aaron Burr? Uh, yeah, Aaron Burr did as a okay. young man, as a yeah, 16, yeah. 17 year old when he started college. So yeah, he was a promiscuous so he was- fella. Okay, so he was but. sleeping with with um, with prostitutes before he got married. Before he got married, there's and then we don't know nothing after. to say that he did uh, that he slept around. In but who knows? And- yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. But there are no reports of it. There are plenty of reports of what happened after, which is where those rumors could have come from. Which is he would write letters to his daughter where he would rate the prowess of these prostitutes. And that's a weird relationship to have your daughter with your that daughter. That is weird. That's where that from back in the comes. day. So he was yeah. still thinking about these ladies from 20 no, years no, ago. No, no, no. After see his wife died tragically. Uh, and unfortunately oh, a few years prostitutes later, yeah. before and after. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly during, right. When they were, when they were married, he may not have, he, he was, but she was kicked. very likely a loyal guy. He was loyal to his wife, to his family. He's kind of like a nice mafia character in a good show. Uh, he's loyal to the family. He's a family guy. Exactly. Sure, I get right. that. But I he'll fuck that. everybody else for <laughs> any other re- Although Jefferson fucked him for the presidency, too, which is another 
Right, that was a political fucking, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly right. I mean, he, Aaron Burr was a vote away from being the president. Most people don't realize that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Vice president then was always second place. Right, right. So he could have been, yeah, just the way, because that's how they did it initially, Mm -hmm. which means that it was usually someone diametrically opposed to your own political beliefs. Yes, exactly right. If there was a two-party system, which there was from the very beginning. Yeah, so just different parties. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then they were expected to work together, which is why (laughs) they may not have had a lot to do. Right. Because you don't want to give somebody any power. Of course power. not. And especially then when it, like it's a direct competition. I mean, there are rumors that Jefferson promised him this and that and this and that and didn't deliver on it, which is another reason why he supposed, Burr supposedly was planning to take over Mexico and then t- use Mexico's army to take over America, make it Burland, and then he would hang Jefferson. As oh, he, did vaguely, say, he did say he was going to threaten him. I do vaguely him. remember hearing a tale of that. Mm-hmm. And then... And then, of course, one of my least favorite presidents was Polk. Uh huh. I'm not a big fan of Polk because of the Mexican War, but it sure. could, I suppose it could have been anyone. Sure. So what are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do? Well, but but that's a good reason to not like a guy. And George M. Dallas. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about him? He was Polk's vice president. You know, I'm just gonna rattle off names. You of can, various, and then I'm, I'm gonna just. And you're be like, like, nope. I don't know. Nope, because there's plenty, again, Matt's the encyclopedia. Matt's right. the guy who can tell me the funny stuff. Right, right. So what about this other thing that you were talking about, which was mm-hmm. archiving? What does that even mean? That's a good that, question. That is your dorkdom. I, that, uh, okay, well, vice presidency links to it because, like, I have collected a bunch of shit related to the vice presidency <laughs> because really? I love it so much. Um, and because it's fascinating and interesting to me, even if I do forget a lot, like, here's, here's an idea of, like, my obsessions have run just like rampant. Like when I was twelve, I memorized this book about this thick, about an inch thick of Disney memor- uh, Disney uh, characters. Okay, it told you every film each character had been in, what year they first appeared in a movie. Like deep canon. Oh yeah, like deep, real deep, deep. We're talking going back Steamboat Willie on up to the nineties, and right. I had it memorized. So like crazy, like um, I don't know, not Bambi, but uh, who was the Sleeping Beauty? Mm-hmm. Was that the one that was scary? They're all think, a little scary. Yeah, but Alice in Wonderland the, is one that scares me. I don't know. Oh, that is scary. It's fucking creepy. Man. That is creepy. But mm-hmm. there were, are there peripheral characters that you knew at this time? Yeah, no, of I it? could, and, and it, this is just it. Is it half, ninety mm, percent of that's out of my brain right now? Well, of course. Uh, and that's just, but it. that's, like I but lost that's it the. All. But I could have told like you. You like to collect information, is mm-hmm. what you're telling yeah. me. I could have told you any peripheral character though, because I remember being, oh yeah, like I would say shit to my mom, who just like very kind woman. I'd be like, yeah, I had to have said out loud a few times, oh, they were in that. She's like, oh, great, Jay, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. Very supportive. Nobody needs that information. Right. And I didn't. I thought I was going to be an animator, but it didn't happen. Well, the weirdest thing is that when people do know some of the peripheral characters, and then I like to I like to hear about them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that I don't know. Like mm-hmm. the, twice in the last two days, someone has, for some reason, it's come up twice, and now it is in my head, mm-hmm. the name of Bubba Fett's uh, ship. In Star Wars. The which uh, Slave is One. Slave One. Yeah. That is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could have cared less two days ago. Sure. And in two days from now, may never care again. Right. But I think I was. it was explained to me that sometimes people know these things because they collect the action figures. Sure. Yeah. Or they're, um, there's other ways of collecting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and when I was talking to Legos yesterday with Tommy Ryman, mm-hmm. uh, there was some talk <laughs> of... Like the other C-3PO's. And yeah. I call them C-3PO's. Sure. They are not C-3PO's. They yeah. are robots that mm-hmm. look like C-3PO but are different colors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. It is. It what is. Other, what, what do you like to archive? Oh, God. 
All right. What are you well, currently archiving? Right what? now? Yeah, what do you what do you like? The, the thing that I'm archiving the most right now is my own sketches going back to when I was 13 years old. I have 55 videotapes that I'm slowly digitizing that are of you no interest. You gotta digitize. Exactly right. VHS? Mm-hmm. Three quarter inch. VHS. VHS. Mm-hmm. Alright, so you're digitizing them into your computer. Mm-hmm. Sketches that you've written and acted in? When you say written, improvised. Quote, okay. unquote. But these That's are, a 13 year old boy. These are, but it, that it talking, right? Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. not, not, not drawn sketches. No. You said animator earlier. Good point. Good so point. just wanted to separate. Sca- sketch comedy. Bad right. improv sketch comedy. <laughs> uh, taped over mostly medical instruction videos because my dad worked at a hospital. <laughs> um, so every once in a while there's a, and then like a recess Annie head. Um, which by the way, a recess Annie head without its skin was a common, uh, popular character in our early sketches because my dad gave it to us. <laughs> It's the creepiest thing in the world. But I've been archiving that that stuff because I started uh, another podcast with my buddy Dan. Just to t- we, He lives in Boise. Okay. And we have no other way to communicate other than Skype. So I figured, well. As long as you're talking. Why waste time having a conversation with a friend unless you're going to turn it into something that you could monetize? It's so a you're joke. Gonna, you're gonna, it's a joke. <laughs> and, and record it. Yeah, so. exactly right. So we talk about it and we pick one sketch that we've done each week. We talk about it. We usually shit on it because they're horrible, but they're fun. I mean, the, the thing is, like, there's stuff that And this that is the guy that you started out doing them with. Exactly when right. When you were children. Yeah, when we were 13 and 12. Nice. And there's running gags that I still put in the stuff that I write now. Well, that's comedy gold. Yeah, exactly and right. The thing is, you can't throw a joke out. The mm. thing is, you can revamp it. That's exactly Smarten right. it up. Mm-hmm. Tighten that tighten that bad up and then <laughs> repurpose it. Yeah. So, so that's what you're doing. Yeah, that. And then I'm working on scanning kind of page by page. I went back home last August. I have been waiting. Dan and I have been waiting for about 10 years to get this bag of his that had all of our sketches going from when we first met each other. So it's very important to us. And so sure. I got all the sketches, including, and I didn't realize our early stories that we wrote together are in there as well, going back to like 92. It doesn't sound that long ago, but it really is in, in, in the brain, especially well, when you're especially 12. especially if it's your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's in the moment 1992. You, met. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like on paper, it's as close to the moment as you, you met as you're ever going to get. So we right. don't have any photos together or anything from that time because his family didn't like me. So we, we, this is what we had. Wow. And so I got the bag back. And I digitized the whole thing, and I've slowly but surely been digitizing my childhood. To what end? I have no idea, other than I need to, I need to digitize it. I need it archived. Right. It's a, that's, that's the obsessive part of this. It's like, I need to, that's the same reason I like the vice presidency, though, is nobody knows about it, so I want to make sure it's archived somewhere, even if it's in my stupid comedy documentary that I want to mm-hmm. make. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love archiving stuff that people don't give a shit about. You know? <laughs> Including my own stuff. And that's fine. I can admit that my shit nobody cares about but us. But that's, we're making an hour out of it each week. You know, we enjoy sure. it. It's, it's one way to talk about friendship. R- right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys are, the, the idea, I have, um, my, what is it, uh, diary mm-hmm. from, from when I was uh, a child. Yeah. For, I think I started it when I was 10 or 11. Uh, maybe nine, actually. Okay. And it yeah. was, and I started writing it because I read Harriet the Spy. Awesome. And Harriet the Spy had a journal. Mm-hmm. And so I started the journal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have most of it. And for years, I, and I, and I love the television program MASH mm-hmm. because I was a child. Sure. And because I love MASH, uh, the doctor on MASH, uh, Sigmund Friedman, mm-hmm. wrote in his journal to Sigmund Freud. Okay. And so I wrote to Sigmund Freud because my parents were constantly telling me I was crazy. <laughs> And they were like, you are insane. Oh, no. You are insane. So I was like, I was, con- so I would write these, like the longest, 
uh, just, and I have tried to, and I, what I did was mm-hmm. when I worked at Kinko's, I had a short lived career <laughs> where I had a sweet, sweet, uh, $5 and 75 hour job nice. at Kinko's in Minneapolis and I copied my journal mm-hmm. and I copied it because I am a self-obsessed narcissist yeah. and I think to myself, this is going to be gold. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to reread it. Not so great <laughs> yeah, no. because I did reread it. And I, and I pulled some stuff out of it okay. that was good because there is a show called Mortified. Yes. Have you heard of Mortified? I've heard of it and I've never gone, I, I've always You should totally to see submit yeah. your thing to Mortified. Okay. And it's, I think it's called Get Mortified or it's okay. just called Mortified. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's people, there's stuff from when they were kids. Yeah. That because we live in a digital age, mm-hmm. um, and I've gone to only one live episode and it okay. was fantastic. And what it was is a guy got up. He had to be 35 years old. Mm-hmm. And he sang a song uh, that he had written when he was 16. He mm-hmm. played the guitar and sang that song. And it was horrible. <laughs> and it was wonderful. And it was one of the greatest experiences <laughs> of my life. Yeah. And then some woman got up and read from her journal about mm-hmm. boys yeah. uh, when she was 13. And other people get up and they're, they're, they try to get different... Uh, media. Yeah. You know, and a sketch sure. that you have video of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to like that, I is would, what I'm telling you. The problem with it is, and I, I like that, and I think maybe I will, because actually I feel like I heard about that first, so it had to have slightly inspired me to do the podcast. Okay. There's almost no way that it didn't. But I mean, there's 50 of these VHS, VHS tapes. I just don't have the, I don't have the, it, it is starting to hurt my brain. Like, it's too much. How many have you done? How many have you digitized? Uh, 20 of them, maybe? Okay, so you, know, you only have another 30 to yeah, go. Yeah, only 30 more. And, and more, the thing is, is one of the early ones might be enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not for me. No. I need, You know what I mean, though? To submit to Mortify. Oh, of course. No, I for would. For you, would you're a completist. A yeah, that's a problem. But to be a completist for yourself, again, like you say, it's just it's a self-obsession problem. Right. But you are not alone. You are not alone, no, my friend. No, I know. Mark but... Maron once told, mm, maybe me, maybe on stage, can't <laughs> idea. Felt like he was talking to me, you guys. Anyway, <laughs> so Marin said that he has kept every notebook mm-hmm. from when he was uh, when he first started doing stand up, and yeah. he was like, "I that he has an idea that one day people are going to go through it, mm-hmm. and they're going to really they're going to be like, oh man, look at this, <laughs> and uh, and no one is, no one is, and no, it's right. very sad. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> alternately, Maria Bamford throws out her notebooks when she's done, which hurts my soul. I can see that. I can see it hurting your soul because she's obviously a goddamn genius. Right. But I can see why she would do it being she's the person like, she is. Because she doesn't want, she's like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with that. I need a new notebook yeah. and uh, gone. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to cull through? <laughs> what I used to do is I used to cull through my old notebook uh-huh. and the first three pages of my new notebook would, would be, be from that, from that okay. old, just summation of what that notebook was. That's awesome. Okay. And then of course stacked in my, in my closet, are all of my f- notebooks. Holy shit. But it's dumb. <laughs> but uh, what Maria, hilariously, cause, and I've told this story before, is that is that when she told me that, because I was like, you could give it to me and I could sell it on eBay <laughs> when you're gone uh, years and years from now. And she's like, watch this. And she pulled out her notebook and threw it away in front of me. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I was like, fair enough. And, <sighs> she's, and she did not, which I think is admirable of her mm-hmm. in our friendship. Uh have to tell me that I should not scrabble through the garbage and get it. <laughs> and I and I have to say this is a good thing about me. Yeah. I did not think about scrabbling through That's the garbage good. and getting it. Uh, though clearly afterwards I was like, I could have scrabbled through the garbage <laughs> and got that. Uh, scrabble, scrabble. That's okay. I like it. Sounds yeah. good. Sure, that's strength of will, though, to do that with your own stuff. Again, I, even without the self-obsession thing. Like, I'm always worried I'm going to forget. Yeah. Every, I mean, well, I've that's got it. this little notebook. I, you know what? I have in this, I bookmarked this for a reason. 
This is like I, a few months, months, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I was feeling depressed, as I want to do. We're comedian types, right? Okay. So I'm like, maybe I should write a list of the human shit condition. I feel like I've, I've accomplished or things Ooh, I've, I've done that I'm proud yeah, yeah. of. And these are not necessarily completed, but like you can see that this doesn't make any sense if you were just like, cause it's like, oh, I need to fill this space in by right. But there's a lot of stuff in here. But this is, again, this is like, I was even writing like, hey, what are the different things I'm obsessed with? And I'm like, this is an archive of my own obsessions. Like, I was trying to write down the things. What are the things you're obsessed with as long as we're in it? Yeah, no, I didn't get to everything, but Disney and animation at 12 and 13, uh, 14, uh, 14. Oh, you did a timeline. I did. Oh, awesome. Video production. Uh, they created a class for us in our, in our school. Like, just so that we could do that, I was interested in puppeteering, although Dan kind of trumped me in the puppeteering department. I was pissed. Who's Dan? Dan who? My, my best friend, Dan. Oh, that'll happen. Yeah, motherfucker. Did you get, did you get competitive? Little. Do you get more, I get, I get just angry. I don't like, I don't have the energy. You don't call it competitive? I don't have the energy for competitiveness. I hate being competitive. If I lose, I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like, I, I get like that a lot. That's why. I, so th- you don't consider that competitive? You consider that? No, it certainly is. But like, right. if I'm not trying to get better than the person I think is just Trump me, then it's just, that's lazy. Then you're like, lazy that's fine. Yeah. I'm not even trying. Exactly right. So it doesn't matter yeah, if you're it. better at me. Who cares? You know? Wow. Uh-huh. That happens, that happens sometimes. But, right. uh. Well, no, no, it's a perfectionist thing where you're yeah. just, cause I, I mean, I think we all do it where you're just yeah. like, well, if I can't be perfect at it, screw it. Uh-huh. And if I certainly can't be better than the people around me, Screw it. It's the shittiest attitude, and, uh, but it's I, so common. Well, it's super, yeah, and it's it's something you can fight. It's something you can mm-hmm. embrace. Uh, <laughs> go for it, mm-hmm. America. Rangers, knock yourself out. Do it. Um, let's see. 15, I didn't have anything at the time. I'm sure there was something. <laughs> I know there's a bunch of blank ones. Lot, like this one's like depression. That's all that was. Um, 16, <laughs> Pez, I put. The Pez dispensers? Uh, uh, yeah. The candy Pez? The both, but I, my mom just sent me pictures of what I've got back home and it's about 200 dispensers. Really? They now were you go going away. themed? No. Were they, Whatever uh, I could buy. I had a job for the first time, so I was spending money on shit I shouldn't spend it on. Oh, right, right. Legos really? were the next step after that. Excellent. The first Star Wars Legos, I bought them all. That cost me like $200. What the, f- I was 17. Right. What the hell was I doing? So, you know, mm. I was just talking to Tommy Ryman about, about Legos. Yeah. And he's got, he, first of all, again, I am alerted. This is, this is the third time I will be discussing Lego on mm-hmm. the program. Plural of Lego? Lego. Lego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the deal, what is, he, we talked about there's architecture Lego. Sure. There's city Lego yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, superhero, and then there's themed Lego. Yeah. Like, you can go Marvel, you can go DC, mm-hmm. you can go Star Wars, you can go Indiana Jones. Yeah. What do you like? Whatever's got the nicest pieces. I was you, buying. You, you're going specific pieces. He told yeah. me there were guys like you. Yeah. Like, not, and you know, it's just something that, like, if I'm looking at this set that you've got sitting here, because it's from the Lego movie, it's a cob job, which represents what it is to be a Lego fanatic, I think. But like, here, let me show you something. I brought something with me. Okay. And I know it doesn't help anybody at home, but this, this doesn't <laughs> look like anything. Okay. But that is two of my obsessions in one because I made a Pez dispenser out of Legos. That okay. is what that is. If you roll that the other way, if you roll it the other way, it should, hopefully it doesn't stick. It'll probably stick from just my luck. But it, it, it is, here, let me see if I can. Oh my god, this is a Pez dispenser. It is a Pez dispenser, made so out of you, Legos. So you bought the, the, the gear? These pieces. The gear go, pieces. Yeah, well, I mean, these are like, now it's stuck. What did I do to it? Um, but these pieces are from sets as varied as Star Wars ones to like more little kid sets that you can get. Oh, you're a master builder. 
no, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, but like, here we go. So there you go. See, so then the Pez comes out. Like oh, that. I see it. See what I'm nice. saying? So with two wheels. I'll and take it. This is, oh, I'll have a Pez. Do it. What am I made of stone? <laughs> the, um, <laughs> this is the second Pez dispenser I've made out of Legos. This is a little more streamlined than the other one, but that's what I like to do. If I find the right pieces to make a thing, I'll make, I'll make a thing. Like I hate that there are Lego cars where it's just single seat like that one. I don't like it. So I've made like realistic, like, they're extra wide cars so that my pet and my Lego men will fit. It's so stupid. That's nice. It's, it's so not, dumb. It's no. really relaxing. It is the single most relaxing thing I can do. Making it not dumb. You know mm. what I mean? Like yeah. writing, great. Well, writing is wonderful. That, but it might be a second because it, there's, there's no effort put into Legos. There's, there's a brain, mm. there's, there's a brain function back there that's doing the work for me. So you just like, you like building and yeah. you like, you like taking bricks mm-hmm. and getting to it mm-hmm. and getting busy. It's fun. And, so do you make, I like that you're making a Pez dispenser, uh-huh. but what other, what, I mean, is it, is it, cause, cause the only thing I draw, like mm-hmm. when I, when I get uh, nervous or I'm just kind of sitting around yeah. and there's a space to draw, I will draw Snoopy. Okay. Yeah, but that's, and it is, it's the only weird. thing I can draw. That's weird. Continue. But then I've got a story about it. That's weird. Why is it? Why? The first thing I ever learned to draw was Snoopy and Pretty. it is the, is not the proper Snoopy like you're drawing. In second grade, I lived in Germany. This kid was drawing his rock and roll version of Snoopy. Okay. Who had his head kicked back. You know when Snoopy's dancing, he's got his head kicked back. Yeah, yeah. He's elongated. But it's that, and he was holding a guitar, and he would draw it a few times. Like, he drew the same drawing, and everybody's like, wow, you can really draw. Which, yeah, he could for second grade, especially. And so I I got a copy of it, or Mm -hmm. I tried to copy it. Mm -hmm. I drew that same Snoopy like 30 times. I got scrap paper just to draw that Snoopy when I went home. Right. Is that's that's it's just weird that that's the one thing you draw and that well, brings me back that, to the first time. That's how I learned to draw was ripping this kid off. Well, I I think that that I yeah, I don't think it's any sort of That's really um, good. that it's anything but, you know, um the I I think everybody wants to draw Snoopy mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. and but there were guys I remember in high school guys that would have a, their number 2 pencil mm-hmm. and would cover the the desk. <laughs> Did you guys draw on, on the desks in high school? Like on the actual desk yeah. itself? Yeah, I'm sure I did. I had to have. Not as much as the other kids, but. But some, some kids did, and I mm-hmm. never did, but, um, they would be like, you would try to get that desk, cause you're like, look what Carrie and Larry did. <laughs> right. They were twins. And, uh, and I was like, look at the fuck! Look at the, that shit. And then, you know, and I, I would try to copy him myself, but I wasn't very good at it. Sure. But, um, this, uh, Snoopy is all that's left of eighth grade science, by it's, the way. It's a good it's Snoopy. It's instead of, uh, oh sure. It's, it's a solid Snoopy. It's a good solid Snoopy. Uh, Woodstock not as good. Uh, so. I feel like he's harder to draw. Well, he, there's, he's such a mess. So you're just <laughs> Now like, he looks like Pigpen the Bird. <laughs> right, he's Pigpen the Bird. He's Pigpen the Bird. And, uh, but it's, uh, but I love that, that, you know, that, that you, you have the gear pieces that mm-hmm. make you want to draw, make something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's soothing. I mean, that's, I think so a, a very good dorkdom is something that calms the inside of your head mm-hmm. and it stops the voices. It takes a lot. Whether there's actual voices or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what I tend to do is I do a little rereading. Mm-hmm. I do some rereading and then yeah. I do some rereading. And if I'm, if I'm agitated, you yeah. know, and when agitated, I like to pause mm-hmm. and then I like to grab that book again, whatever that book is that, that's handy. Yeah. And do a little reread and get back into a story that I already know. 
know the end of. Yep. Which is nice. Which relaxing, is nice. Yeah. Do you like to read? I do. I don't read nearly enough as I should. Uh, well, like, uh, yeah, but you, I mean, what what do you what's uh, what's a good book that you've read recently? I'm horrible at reading fiction, and I need to be like, better at it. Why? Why do I need to be better at reading it? I just don't do it. I read biographies and other shit. Which well, that's is, no, no. Those are yeah. I think there's people who like to read mostly nonfiction and people who like yeah, to read mostly fiction. I guess fiction. that's probably true. But I, I love read very fiction. little nonfiction. But I love and I, fiction, I love nonfiction. I yeah. never read it. <laughs> I never read it, and it makes me feel smart when I finish a nonfiction mm-hmm. book. But uh, but I don't. I like to read fiction because uh, uh, I don't need to feel smart. I need to feel happy. I think the only and fiction so, that I'm on is like that I've read recently is um, reading The Hobbit to my wife. That's something she grew up with though her whole life, and we still haven't got. I haven't gotten through the book the whole way, but okay. she'll read it to me. Sometimes I'll read it to her. So you guys are sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty. Yeah, that's nice. That's I fun. like that. And I've never finished the Hobbit as a book. So. That'll be fine. The last third of it gets real grown up. This is real what I understand. Grown up. Yeah. But what? Uh, what's? Uh, what's a good nonfiction that you've been? Uh, that you've... What the hell is the name of John what? Cleese's book? I'm oh, reading a, his autobiography right John now. John Cleese's autobiography yes. is it pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. It's fascinating because he's, I mean, he's talked about how he's at that point in life where he doesn't give a fuck about anything. Right. And it's, I don't know when so he did. Revelant. When did he? I don't know. I'm uncertain when John Cleese <laughs> was super uptight. <laughs> well, this book will tell you because at the beginning of it, he was like, he was a little mama's he was wound? boy. Okay. He was a mama's boy. He was very tightly wound. Just so like he, it's, just, it's, it's a good book. And I wish I could remember that fucking name of it, but it's a really good book. People have the internet. It That's turns true. out. They'll Look the it internet, up, kids. They'll be um, fine. There's also a book called um, "Drunk Stoned Brilliant Dead," and it's like a coffee table book, and it's okay. all about the National Lampoon, which I need to get through. It's uh, there's it's Is heavy, it thick with art. It's a lot of art. Oh, and, and so it's I need art. To get through it, yeah. National Lampoon, the the from, magazine from the magazine. Yeah, there's a which lot had... of great covers and stuff in it. Okay, reprints of articles that they've they've fixed up and made look pretty. Oh, that's nice. It's really good. But do you have a nice coffee table to put it on? Uh, no. You know, I think we're done with our coffee table, so we just put it sort of on the side. It's, the side, yeah. But it's big. It's a it's one of the big kind of it's coffee table yeah. book. I all my comedy books are kind of in my office where we do the podcast. So. I read uh, Furious Cool about Furious a year cool. ago, What's that which about? is the. Uh, one of the Richard Pryor biographies. Oh. And I had never, I don't know anything about Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I know, a couple of years ago, my buddy Jim Wooster had the album, uh, an album of his, one of his live performances mm-hmm. from the early 70s. And mm-hmm. we sat and we listened to it with a couple other people. And all I could, all I could say when I was done listening to it, I was like, this stuff has been hacked so bad. Oh, yeah. That I can't, it's very hard for me to laugh at. Right. Because I've heard that. all these jokes. Yeah. And I've heard them from other people. Mm-hmm. But other people have also had the same experiences, sure. you know, in their upbringing. So maybe they've had a bit of a twist to it. But yeah. some of it is just flat out, just theft. Mm-hmm. And that's too bad, too. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the, do you have, by the way, oh, yeah. uh, Jason Klum, let us, K-L-A-M-M, tell people again that you are at J Klum on, uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. but you're at Comedy on Vinyl on Instagram and yes. all that stuff. And that's yeah. the name of your podcast, your main podcast. My main podcast. And if you go to stolendress.com, it'll have your podcast, it'll have your production stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Bland Ambition sounds like a fascinating book, yep. honestly. I you should wanna, pick that up. That's, I, it's I worth do it. like. You can get it for $2 on Amazon, I'm sure, right now. Right, or I have a used bookstore. Or over go there. to the, which, you, the Iliad or whatever. Yeah, the Iliad. Yeah, it's a great yeah, bookstore. A bookstore. I love that place. Yeah, I bet you. And, uh, hey, my chicken's ready, you guys. <laughs> and it has been an hour, so, uh, this has been awesome, Jason. Thank Klump. you. Thank you so much for doing the show. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for listening, Rangers. Take care out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that?
If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?